it's going. All right, hello again. This is the third session of Good Wife, and we are on the second talk, the Spice Talk. We're gonna thank the Lord for this time. Father, thank you so much for how you love us and that you gave us your Son to redeem us from our sins. Thank you that you've provided in him a way to be what you want us to be. And I pray that as we seek your word and seek to live according to your ways, that we will see fruit of that in our lives. Help us not understand our work in the home and to understand how to do it better. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today's Spice Talk is about hospitality. And uh, I'm, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's something I do a lot and I enjoy doing. Um, it kind of is my life. So uh, hospitality is a gift to others that wives or women, if you're a single woman, you can still be hospitable, but you can give this gift from your home. And as we talked about last month, it is a kindness. It's the idea of love is patient and kind. It's an active way to love that's kind and that you can't be kind by yourself. There has to be somebody else involved if kindness is going to be uh, part of your what you're doing. A wife and mother must first give to her husband and children because that's her responsibility. Um, and when she's become very competent at dealing with those issues, husband and ch children, then she, along with her husband and her children, can start to give to others. Um, so I'm going to encourage you that being hospitable is not just for some people. I think it's really something that everyone should at some point uh, partake in because it's, it's loving and giving. There are excuses for not being hospitable. <clears throat> One of them is a sense of inferiority. It's the idea that I can't do it as well as Martha Stewart. Uh, I left that blank in there and I, I put Martha Stewart in my blank because I don't think I probably do it as well as Martha Stewart. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of other women who do it better than I do, but um, it really doesn't matter. All hospitality isn't equal and it doesn't mean it isn't valuable just because it's not as good as somebody else's. But it's um, if you think about the, the parable of the widow's might, um, if you have less at your disposal and yet you still give with what you have. It is of great value and um, it is seen by the Lord as very giving compared to somebody who has all kinds of money and talents and abilities to just throw it around and bless everyone with it. Um, it's, it's, it's still valuable to do that. I'm not, I don't want to downplay that, but um, don't downplay the small giving of, of hospitality. So then the, another excuse is, um, I don't have a big enough house. Well, you don't have to have a crowd over. You can just invite one person. Um, and I list here, college students love being invited over to homes for meals and single guys especially love having someone cook for them. And uh, I also thought of the elderly. If you have any elderly people in your neighborhood uh, living alone, um, it's wonderful to invite them over and bless them with 
your giving of food and your home? I don't have enough money. Well, you don't have to invite someone over for a meal. You can have popcorn and tea. You can have cookies and tea. Just It's the idea of just giving something, inviting someone into your life, into your home. It expresses love to them. And then the last one I wrote is, there, there's enough other people doing it. I don't need to do this. I'll just enjoy what they're doing. But um, as someone who's been very hospitable and involved in it a lot, when someone invites me over, I just, oh, this is so great. I get to go to someone else's house. And so think about the people that um, might like a break from it and, and a little return on it. And I'm not trying to get you all to invite me over, by the way. Um, because there are other people you can invite they're doing it, but it's it's just really nice, and um, it shouldn't be about you feeling that you're going to be judged, and that we're going to get into as we go a little further along here. Hospitali hospitality utilizes and offers to others many aspects of the home that the good wife has made, and good hospitality comes from a sensible domestic wife or woman. Um, if you're silly, if you're lazy, um, then what you have to give is not going to be as good as if you're being a sensible person and wise in how you spend your money and how you run your home and even how you um, discipline your children. That it, any kind of order that you can create in your home by whatever you're doing. Um, again, disciplining children is a huge part of being able to be hospitable because if your children are out of control there's no way that you can have life pulled together enough to invite people over and have them feel comfortable. So it's, it's also part of it. And I don't even have a time schedule here to talk about child discipline. But maybe at some point we would get into that if people need help on that. Um, so the, the elements that, of uh, homemaking that are involved in um, hospitality are shopping, cleaning, decorating and cooking. So we're going to talk first about shopping. The, the good wife will plan and buy necessary and helpful items, equipment, ingredients, so as to be able to cook a good meal and present it in a pleasing way. And I have a list of things to talk about as to why I buy them um, and why I buy them when I do. Um, and it's not probably all-inclusive because I was just trying to pull out of my head, oh, what kind of things do I buy? But you might be able to come up with your own as we go through this. Napkins. You'll notice the napkins on the table. They're cream colored and green, and they kind of go with the tablecloth and the plates. Okay. Well, I didn't go out and buy them for today. I bought them probably a year and a half ago at the dollar store. Because I saw them and I said, oh, I like those colors. And so I just bought them. They were a dollar a package. Stuck them in my closet. And then there comes this time when I go, oh, those are going to be perfect for today. What I've found is if I'm waiting, if I'm having an event, say, especially if it's Christmas time or Valentine's Day and you want red napkins, you go out looking for red napkins and they're all gone because everybody else wanted them too. But if you buy red napkins when you see them and you know, I'm going to be able to use red napkins at some point, then you've got them and you don't have to wait until they get them back in at the store or just deal with white because they were all out. So I do that with all kinds of 
seasons and colors and holidays when I'm out and I see something that attracts my attention it's just a dollar or two and it's really nice to be able to pull from that stockpile when the time comes and you see a perfect color yes I was looking at ways to save money the other day and one of the tips was go shopping right after an event so yeah go go shopping for red napkins the day after Christmas mm -hmm. yeah. or even Christmas yeah. napkins yeah, because they'll have lots of Christmas napkins out. And they're so cheap. Yeah. Like after the holiday, mm -hmm. everything is. So. Yep. It's a great way to save money. Um, the uh, tablecloths, um, look for deals in discount, at discount stores or thrift stores or even yard sales. Um, and having a variety of colors or fabrics will set you in a place where you can set your table differently according to what the event is you're putting on. Um, when I do a baby shower or a bridal shower, I usually like to have a white tablecloth. Um, it, would ha it would take something really unusual for me to use a color for a, a baby shower or bridal shower, but um, at Christmas time, I love having red. I have a gold one um, for Christmas time. I have a black tablecloth because my china, one of my china sets is cream colored with a black rim on it and it looks so amazing on this black tablecloth um, but I found that at Ross I just was kind of looking through and there's a black tablecloth and I looked at the measurements and it was big enough for my table and I said I'm, I'm buying it it probably was under ten dollars and um, so just kind of be on the lookout for things that you know you could use at some point but Knowing that it's just a, I'll probably use this at some point, don't spend a lot of money on it, because just in case you never do use it. But, um, it's just great to have stuff already, and you don't have to go buy stuff for the event. Vases, um, I buy at Goodwill um, almost exclusively. I have bought a couple at Ross. But you, you just see amazing variety at the thrift stores and um, the discount stores interesting things and you don't have to pay ten dollars or more for it and I like to buy high ones and low ones so that when you're setting things on the table you're not having to look over the arrangement too much um, this one right behind me was a gift to me once but it's it's really fun for a side table or um, like a buffet that's up against a wall or window because it's it's tall, it's grand, so you you don't want to put it on the table for dining. But I love it. I really enjoy getting to use it. Um, and it's a nice decorative one just to be kept out, which is another thing. Some of them you can just keep out as part of your decor in your home. Others just put in the cupboard and pull them out when you need them. Um, flowers, I love Safeway for flowers because they have amazing variety, huge selection, um, not terrible prices at all. And if you start buying them there and you're on the Just For You Club, they will give you discounts on that. Um, a lot of my friends like to go to UPIC. I've been there once and I think it was a little bit picked over when I was there. Um, have you have you all heard of UPIC flowers? Yeah. What did you say? It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. And, um, but that's a really cheap way to get a lot of flowers. Um, for me, I don't generally feel like driving out there to do it, so I go to Safeway. Um, but 
ha just having them in your home, not necessarily for um, hospitality or any kind of event, but just it's nice to have a vase of flowers somewhere to add a sense of beauty. So when some com someone comes into your house, they see that there, and it it just shows that you think beyond completely practical. <laughs> I can be very into practicality, so. Um, dishware and unique serving dishes. Um, if you have places to store these things so that you have enough easy access to them that you'll actually use them. If you have to keep it in the garage in boxes, you're probably going to really resent having to get it out when you want to use it. And so if that's what I found anyway, even having to keep stuff in the basement, I just got to where I don't want to go get those out because it's such a hassle and I've got paper between every one of them and you know, I hate getting them out and I hate having to put them away. So I find that I have worked at finding places upstairs where it's easy to get things out and use them and then I'm happy to use them, enjoy using them. And, um, yeah, it's great. So if you can figure out places to put things, by all means, buy different things. And again, keep it cheap. You know, everything doesn't have to come from Nordstrom's or Macy's or um, it doesn't have to be brand new. It can be used. Another thing I've seen people do is um, do an eclectic table. Have you, have you ever had a dinner at an eclectic table when, where every piece on there just about is different? And I think that is really fun and interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a very charming way to set a table, yes. I was just going to say, especially if you're just starting out in hospitality, you will find that serving dishes make all of your effort worth it. Because I've noticed like if I don't have certain things that fit things, like I always, it's really difficult to serve the food and I've worked so hard to serve it. You know, like asparagus is one of those things, like I've ended up with a plate that's like perfect for asparagus, but if you don't have that sticking weird out of a bowl or popping yeah. on the side, like you, you work hard yeah. to cook a dinner for someone, and so mm -hmm. it's really nice when you have a dish to put it in because yeah. you feel like your efforts are sort of appreciated more yeah. when you can serve it well. I completely agree, and in my hospitality notes that I pulled right out of my cookbook, I talk about don't serve things in the bags or boxes that they came in. Um, and We'll get to that too, but I love serving dishes. And at this point, I have quite a few things. And whenever I'm out shopping with Evan, and I'll see something, I'll go, "Oh, I like that. That is so cool." And then the first thing that comes to my mind is, "Where am I going to put it?" If I can't think of a place to put it, then I have to walk away because <laughs> you just don't want to get to that point where. You have to stick it in the basement or in the garage because you really wanted to have it but didn't have a place to put it and then you don't use it. So, um, Any other comments there before we move on to food? Um, pantry. Having a well-stocked pantry allows you to spontaneously decide to make something in addition to what you'd planned or instead of what you had planned. Um, or add a simple dessert some evening um, and this is a lot of it is I'll plan a menu and then some things will come up during the day and I'll get busier and busier and suddenly realize my gosh I don't have time to make what I would planned 
what can I do with what I thought out that's different? And it, usually I have the stuff in my pantry that I can just completely change the idea, or change the menu and put it together faster and call it good. But you gotta be prepared for those things and you, you wanna look um, for things on sale. So whenever there's a great deal on canned vegetables or um, broths, like cans of t um, chicken or beef broth, don't just buy two. Don't just buy what you need for that week. Buy ten. Yeah. You know, at 58 cents a can for broth, you know, if you need ten of them, it's 580. No big deal. Well, maybe it would be for some people. I don't know. I can remember a time when I might have thought that. But um, just stocking it up that way, and I list a lot of things here that I would really like having on hand. Um, I'm not going to read through them because you can look at that. Uh, and again, you, if you buy things on sale, then you have ultimately spent less than you would if you suddenly realize you need it and had to go out and get it. Um, so on hospitality, you, you obviously have to consider the cleaning element because most people don't want to invite people over to their home if it's not clean, if it's a mess. So the good wife has cleaned and ordered at least the public areas of her home so as to give confidence and assurance to her guests that they may relax. Um, if you're walking into someone's home that's very filthy, even just sitting down on their furniture, you kind of you know, pull yourself up and don't want to touch too much. So you want to give your guests confidence um, that they can be comfortable there. Um, and if you have a constant state of general cleanliness in your home, it's really not that hard to get ready for guests. But if you live um, in a really messy, trashy, dirty way, um, the likelihood of you getting it ready for guests is pretty slim. So part of living well at home is just kind of keeping constant cleaning going. And when we get to the schedule down here, you'll see that I've stuck in and clean a little bit here and clean a little bit there. Um, I'm always watching for something that I can pick up or wipe or um, scoot away, just anything. And there's always plenty around here that I can do more than I need, more than I need to do. Um, and the other thing is that I have a thing I call spontaneous hospitality. And if you live in a general state of cleanliness, you can easily have spontaneous hospitality. And um, even if your house isn't perfectly clean, it's very acceptable and people won't even notice. Throughout my life as a wife and mother, I have developed a weekly schedule for getting my work done. And my underlying philosophy of work versus play is that you earn your playtime, your free time, by getting your work done first. So, the beginning of your work week should be busier and the end of the work week a little more relaxed. And then, consequently, even in the day, each day, I'll have a busier time in the morning. And actually, my time right before dinner gets busy too. But um, definitely don't want to be just too slow and laid back in the morning and then find myself scrambling to get everything else done the rest of the day. Although I have had days like that. <laughs> Even though, you know, I don't really, they're not my favorite days. It's usually because I didn't sleep well and I slept in too late. Um, so in terms of a work week, there you're going to have more intense labor early in the week. 
and maybe do a lot extra cooking so that as Thursday and Friday come along, you can say, hey, I'm going to um, pull that thing out of the freezer that I made earlier this week and serve it today so i got a free afternoon or something. Yes. Could you tell us some of your favorite freezer meals? Um, well, lasagna is always a good one. I, whenever I make lasagna, I make six pans so that I can serve two or three if I need it, depending on how many people are here, and freeze. That means I'm freezing one or two more meals. Um, and it, it takes a little longer to make six pans of lasagna than to make two, but it doesn't double my time, so it's just very um, helpful for me. Pulled pork, when I, if I'm going to do pulled pork, I do about 15 pounds of meat and cook it in my roaster oven and then I shred it all and add the sauce back and then I weigh it in um, Ziploc bags. It's really great to have a scale so that you can know for sure, okay, this is two pounds or this is a pound and a half and I know that's enough for whatever. And then freeze it. It's so easy to thaw it out and make some rice to serve it over or butter some bread and make sandwiches, make it coleslaw really quick. Um, I also do shredded beef um, in very large quantities and I cook top round. I'll pot roast it, you brown it and add liquid and simmer it or cook it in the oven for uh, five hours, sometimes six hours, and then shred it and bag it in Ziploc bags and freeze it. And I do um, stroganoff with my shredded beef and I do Mexican food. Um, I also do beans, refried beans in large quantities and mm -hmm. freeze them so that whenever I'm doing Mexican food I just pull out the beans, pull out the meat and it's so much less of a headache to do that meal. It used to be when I decided to do Mexican food it was, okay do I have time today to do all that and now it's, it's really not that hard. Um, the other casseroles with noodles and sauce are very freezable. Um, does anybody else have freezable, well, freezable meals? They do. Oh, meatloaf. Um, Is that freezable? I don't know. I've never frozen it raw. I have frozen a cooked one when I've uh. when I had a lot of people sign out after I had already thawed out the meat, and so I'll make all the meatloaf and then I'll just freeze an entire um, cooked meatloaf and then thaw it out and warm it up and that works actually really well too. All of my sauces pretty much come from frozen. I gotta make them fresh spaghetti sauce, chili, uh, like I'll make homemade alfredo sauce because then you're just having to boil some noodles and then we usually have like uh, a bunch of chicken like breasts that have been grilled and we have that in a container in the fridge and you can just like make all kinds of stuff. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Bethany has I was just gonna say that if you like, I like baking, mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of freezer dinners, but I bake a lot and so like frozen, like I, if I do pumpkin puree or zucchini, shredded zucchini, things like that can get your kitchen really messy and so mm -hmm. I just do a ton of it. Yeah. But I am with the luxury of having a ton of it, which you may just buy, you know, but if you're given like six gigantic zucchinis, do it all at once and that freeze is great and you just, it's ready oh. for when you make bread and same with the pumpkin because you have so to So you puree it. zucchini for zucchini? I shred it. Oh, okay. But the pumpkin is hard because you have to cook it and it's always hot and your kitchen is a disaster. Yeah. The floor sometimes has to be mopped. 
So I just do, I mean, I did like six pumpkins, huge uh -huh. ones, and uh -huh. I just have pumpkin for the rest of the year. And it's great because then it's done once and it's pureed, uh -huh. which is also a large, messy project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you have it just packaged. I just portion it so that's exactly what I need for my recipe so that I know exactly when I pull out that bag, it's the exact portion. Uh -huh. If I want to make two batches, I get two bags. And sometimes I portion them for double. Yeah. But, you know, I bake a lot. So, uh -huh. but the one tip I did want to give that may uh -huh. not, not everyone know, I learned this from working at an Italian restaurant, is your noodles can sometimes be hard if you're really wanting a quick meal, uh -huh. like a five minute meal. You can freeze noodles, great. You put them, um, after, you just parboil them, and so um, they just need like 30 seconds. And so you can actually really? make a meal in like five minutes. You just take your frozen noodles out, put them in boiling water for 30 seconds to 60 seconds, and they will be perfect. And then you just oh. pour the sauce on top, get Prego or something, and a couple breadsticks, and you literally have like a five minute meal. Huh. So that's I did not know about freezing noodles. So yeah, yeah and they're pre-cooked. They're fully not, cooked. They're like al dente, which means okay. they're just almost ready. Like you okay. don't want them to be soggy. Uh huh. Right. You don't want, ever want your noodle to be soggy, but yeah, <laughs> like they're not crunchy, but just like you would maybe give them thirty more seconds. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then you take them out and you put them in the freezer. You can I put my like Tupperware in the freezer because I don't like freezer right. burned. Uh -huh. But I buy really good Ziplocs because then when you have, you know, the pumpkin might be in there for a year. Uh -huh. Or your noodles might be in there. You don't want them tasting gross. You buy the pumpkins right after Halloween? We have friends that have a garden. So we oh, get a lot of zucchini. Okay. But that was, you know, those things are really messy, which is why I said I do a lot of that. Okay. But the noodles, I just thought, you know, it's so fast. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that. Mm -hmm. That's a really great idea. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, there are lots of freezing things that can help. Chili is a really good one. I always make a huge batch of chili, and if I'll even leave it out for lunches. And, but if it doesn't disappear in about five days, I put it in a container and in the freezer, and then I'll get it out in a couple weeks and cook some hot dogs, mm. have chili dogs for dinner. It's great dinner. My favorite I love chili dogs. <laughs> My favorite thing is to have, like, make extra biscuits or rolls or something, and mm -hmm. then they're frozen, but you can thaw them pretty fast. And it just kind of adds yeah. an extra mm -hmm. element to your meal. Yeah. It just makes it more Yeah, fun. definitely. I've never frozen biscuits, but I've done rolls. Yeah. So baking powder biscuits. Wow, okay. Never done that. I think they're better if you let them thaw kind of okay. on their own instead of like just putting them in the microwave. But okay, rolls, yeah. I think I've had better Okay. But yeah, they're fine. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, my weekly schedule, um, we can go through this kind of fast. I don't know how many of you would benefit from knowing a schedule and, or how many of you already live by a schedule. Which one are you? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Live, already live by a schedule. Have one, yeah. Okay. Have one. Half of you. And yeah, the other half would benefit by hearing a schedule. Okay. Again, over the years, I've altered my schedule, but I can remember when I was um, first married and when I was a young mother that this is the way it was, the way I've got it written out here. Monday morning is major laundry, all the clothes. You just sort them out and you start doing loads. But in between loads, you don't just sit and twiddle your thumbs. You find things that need to be cleaned and you clean and you run run back and forth. Now, if you don't have a washer dryer, you have to go to the laundromat. That's a little different, but it also means you have multiple machines and you get it all in there. 
you get them all dried, you get home, fold them, and then it probably takes about the same amount of time in the end, but there's still, I think, no excuse for not getting it folded and put away. You just take, take it on as a project. And listen to music or uh, listen to the radio or watch, watch TV while you're folding laundry or something. Yes. I listened to your other seminar talks last time. <laughs> Just put them on again. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Did I say something about watching TV? Or? You had before mentioned something like, okay. you know, listen to music at least, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to go on SoundCloud. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. You listen to the, to my talks while you're folding laundry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I'm putting it together. Anyway, and then sort, um, like if you have several children, as you're folding the laundry, you know, you got your darks here and there's darks from everyone. You start making piles. I, I always did it on my bed and I would make different sections for everybody and I wouldn't put anything away until all the laundry was folded and I, then I would take Davis's laundry to his room and I would set it on his bed and it was his job to put it away. And Michael's to her room and the boys and you teach them how to at least do that first. And it, I'm not sure what age, you kind of have to look at your kid and see what their skill level is. Um, but you got to show them pretty specifically, this is how you put it away. And then um, you got to keep on them about it too. They, if you just set it in their room, sometimes you'll go in there um, three or four days later and it's still just in a pile in their room, <laughs> a stack in their room. So if you really want them to learn that they got to put it away, you got to you know, go in and say, Let's put your laundry away, but it's a really good um, habit to teach your kids. Um, in Monday afternoon, there's always dinner prep, and in the middle of dinner prep, or maybe before dinner prep, you've got some cleaning that you see, especially your major public areas, just getting it picked up from the weekend. Sometimes weekends can really wreak havoc on a home. Um, do a little vacuuming, clean the kitchen floor, something. Then Tuesday is sort of a main cleaning day for me and it would cl be clean all the public areas. Sometimes I was really amazing and I could get all of it done on Monday and then I felt like ha all I have to do on Tuesday is a little ironing and, um, and I can take a little bit of a break. So it really kind of depends on how much you charge through and how much your kids are getting in the way of what you're trying to do because <laughs> Uh, you know, you don't want it to be that your kids are an interference to your life because they are part of your life. They're your responsibility and you have to love them and teach them. But part of what you're teaching them is that mom has important things to do. Not they're the most important thing in the world and that every whim they have, every whine, every need, need in quotes, uh, must be met. And it's really good for your kids to learn to play on their own and not to need mom always entertaining them. Um, one of the things that I made sure my kids understood is if they came to me wanting something, wanting attention from me, like I, the thing I really, really remember is Davis when he was anywhere but from two to four, he would come and say, mother, would you read me a book? And I might be washing dishes, I might be folding laundry, I might have my hands in chicken, cutting it up or something. And I would say, when I'm done doing this, I will read you a book. I would never drop what I was doing and go read him a book. And I've had 
mothers somehow think that, or this is even, this is a real killer one. Mother, I need a hug. When I'm done doing this, I'll give you a hug. Okay? Now that just sounds like, oh my, how could she be so cruel? Well, need a hug. You know, there, there's something about that that's a little manipulative in some kids. And it's really good for the kid to learn their place and not to feel like anything I want from my mom, she will drop what she's doing to get for me. Um, you do want to meet their needs and you do want to get them the hug and you don't want to push them off and then forget that you've pushed them off. You do, you've got to remember it and take care of their need. But the child needs to learn he's not the most important thing in the world. That your work is more important than what he wants or she wants. What about, do you mind a quick question? Uh -oh. um, Anders has been super good at playing on his own. He's only seven months, he's teething. Mm -hmm. And he's started just not being as content as long and he's more whiny and whimpery and as soon as I walk over to him he's all smiles mm -hmm. so he just wants attention he mm -hmm. just which is normal mm -hmm. I would guess and good but it's getting harder to get things done mm -hmm. because he is whining or crying and I've you know if he makes a really nasty sound I'll, I'll um, slap his leg and he feels the pain and actually changes but how much like I don't know. Well, I think trying to help them with the pain, what you know, give them Tylenol or rub the yeah, stuff on his gums. It's always worth helping, you know, trying to deal with that for them. But there's also I don't a know time if that's what's causing it either. What's that? I don't know if that's what's causing yeah. it. I mean, he if just it's just one, yeah. Just there's attention. always, to me, a, it's not a bad thing to put the kid in a playpen and put him in a room with stuff in there for him to do lights on and close the door you don't have to listen to it just because he's unhappy uh, you can go check on him once in a while but you wait for those times when the fussing has quieted down and then you go in and say oh hi you know you do this you're real, oh you're, you're being so sweet and you <laughs> talk to them and it's you get more of what you um what is it more of what you reward and less of what you punish and so you've got to work into their lives the things that teach them this is good you're getting rewarded for this that's bad you're not getting rewarded for that um, and it means you you might have crying in your house um, you might have a lot of crying but it's in the long run you will benefit by having children that know how to play by themselves yes i was just going to point out that i think you have to be cautious because i've had to catch myself also in making sure that if i'm pushing them off it's not like, it's for a good reason. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I am making dinner, you know, I had twins. They both sometimes would scream the entire time I made dinner. But I had to make dinner. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing I could do about that. Mm -hmm. But if I was just, you know, sitting, yeah, Facebooking for, that's a good, oh, yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. you don't, you need yeah. to put it away. Yeah, it should be really an important thing you're doing because right. that's what you're teaching them is that I have important work not I have important play um, mm -hmm. so yeah I, I agree with you very much on that um, but that mom's work if you think again about a hundred hundred fifty years ago and time immemorial before that women did not have the conveniences that we have now that allow us to um, set aside 
a lot of work so that we can coddle our children and make them, you know, try to keep them happy all the time. It was life and death if you didn't get your work done mm -hmm. um, for centuries. Mm -hmm. And this modern age that we live in is very wonderful, but it in some ways has corrupted the, uh, the generations who've grown up in it so that they become far more selfish and demanding and you don't want your kids to be that way. I just have a quick question about um, legitimate rest time because sometimes I feel like you know they're not asking for something. Um, I've done a pretty important job and because of that I'm tired and I mm -hmm. just want to sit down for five minutes mm -hmm. and regroup. Of course they immediately want to come and oh, now you can read your book, now you can hold me, now you can do whatever and I feel bad about saying, I just need to sit by my, you know, I just need to sit for five minutes and you can sit over here and read a book. You know, there's kind of that. I don't think five minutes is too long for a kid to wait. No, but it's just hard to kind of justify that. Like, well, should I, is that okay that I'm just wanting to sit here? I think so. Yeah, as long as it's not, you know, a ridiculous amount of time, but to, yeah, just to be able to take a, take a breather and, Sometimes, sorry for you on the tape, but going to the bathroom, <laughs> having time to go to the bathroom, you know, mom's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> you have to lock the door. Can you leave me yeah. alone for five minutes? <laughs> so uh, anyway, well, let's move on to the schedule here. So then there's always dinner and usually in the afternoon it's dinner. Sometimes you'll have a little dinner prep that needs to happen in the morning, depending on what you're cooking. And you just got to be aware of that. Tuesday morning would be, oh yeah, I said finishing cleaning, that's right, and maybe doing the bathrooms, uh, doing ironing. That would be all those things you hung up that really do need a little bit of ironing. Maybe nobody irons anymore. I love ironing. I think ironing is just so cool. It makes things look so amazing. Um, Tuesday afternoon, I would plan my menu and shopping list for Wednesday morning shopping, and then there's dinner. Um, maybe a little extra cooking for that bonus later in the week. Wednesday morning, I loved getting out bright and early, at, leaving the house at six o'clock or even a little before six, get to the grocery store and, you know, hit them all over town in the proper order so that you know what you're doing. And I often could be home, like when the kids were going to Logos school, I had to be home between eight and eight ten so that Evan had the car to take the kids to school while I was unloading groceries. and um, Or I would take them to school if there were times when Evan was busy or when he was working at the newspaper and so I had, you know, the whole thing. But it was so wonderful to get the grocery shopping done that early and I'd come home and have time to just put it all away and then start on whatever else I wanted to do that morning. But yeah, having groceries done by 8 o'clock in the morning, cool. Um, oh, I always wash my lettuce before I put it away because when you have to wash it after it comes out of the refrigerator, it warms it up and it's not as crisp. So if you wash your lettuce and drain it really well and then put it back in a plastic bag, then it's ready to use when you want to make salad. It's so nice and cold and crisp. So I highly recommend that. Um, it does take a little extra time when you're putting groceries away, which is it's one of those things that I would... Yeah. Kind of wait till the end to do, but yeah. 
It's really good if you can throw in your parsley, cilantro, green um, onions, anything that'll fit in the same salad spinner. Oh. Because I found that those things get really limp too. And it's really great to just spin it all and even keep okay. it all. Okay, I've never done spinner. that, but yeah. I don't use a salad spinner. I just drain my lettuce in the drainer mm. and let it sit there for, you know, 15 minutes or so, and then I bag it back up. Or put it in Tupperware containers that are made for lettuce. Um, so I love having my lettuce pre-washed. Then when I want to make a salad, it's just tear it up and go. Also, if you buy large quantities of meat, like uh, chicken breasts or ground beef, um, and you don't have that many people to feed, cut it up, bag it into little Ziploc bags, mark how many pounds it is or whatever, and freeze it and do that right when you get home. Because if you can't use 10 pounds of ground beef in one meal and you freeze it all, then you, when you thought, you got to, what am I going to do with this now? Which I have done that before because I just couldn't bring myself to take the time to divide it up. But so then when I thought out, I use what I need to, maybe if I'm making meatballs or something, and then I'll just cook the rest and then freeze it pre-cooked, which is actually a, a decent thing to do too. Because if, if you need cooked ground beef or spaghetti sauce or chili or what else does it go in? That's always what I think of, spaghetti and chili. Anyway, then it's pre-cooked and it's one step less to do when you make that meal. Um, so then Wednesday afternoon there's dinner prep, incidental cleaning again, always be aware of where something's dripped, uh, something splattered, dust bunny that's, that's um, gathered somewhere, and always just be cleaning anything you can see and do a little touch up like that. Then uh, Thursday morning we have household laundry, bathroom towels, kitchen towels, sheets, all that stuff that's not clothing, get that washed, get the sheets back on the bed as soon as possible. Um, I am a little bit of a freak about my sheets. Um, mine are 100% cotton and if I put them in the dryer the edge gets all crumply. So I put them in the dryer for about three mm -hmm. to five minutes and then I hang them up. That's so it does nice. take, what's that? That's great. I hate the wrinkled. Yeah, the edge. Jeez. I hate that too. <laughs> It's really, it's freaky, I, I, I think I agree, but, but it takes the rest of the day for them to dry hanging in the basement so I don't get them put on the bed till usually after dinner. Um, get a second pair so you can just make your bed Yeah, I could do that, yeah. So, but anyway, make the beds and then do a little bedroom tidying or cleaning if it's necessary. And um, if you clean your kids' rooms, great. If at some point you need to teach them how to do it and that's a long long tedious process because they're idiots <laughs> and it, it really takes years before you really get your kids to know how to clean but you just keep at it with them <laughs> it's really good to get them involved and sometimes you just do it because you want to get it done fast and leave the kids out of it but you gotta put the time in teaching them and at some point they do get it um, and then Thursday afternoon, if you um, got all that done in the morning, you could have some free time. And you could serve an easy dinner or something you prepared earlier. Then uh, Friday morning, do a little touch-up cleaning of your public area, kind of getting ready for the weekend. Or maybe you're going to have guests that night. Um, 
maybe you, and then for the meal you can have an easy meal or you can use your afternoon doing a really special meal for hospitality or just for your family or whatever but do you see how you if you just really work hard the first days of the week you have so much more relaxed mm -hmm. end of the week and then your weekend do whatever you want with it we always have a big yard that in the warm weather we we don't spend enough time cleaning <laughs> um, Let's have the time. Oh, we're doing great still. <clears throat> Decorating. Now, on this part, I'd asked Stephanie to help me with um, laying out the ideas. I had some ideas, but I knew that she was a real expert in this field. And I've asked her to take over the talk here. Okay. Do you want to come up sit here? Not really, but I will. Oh, come on, <laughs> Stephanie. You can do it. Well, for starters, I may be an expert in terms of helping other people, but my house is not decorated. I, you know, I got my degree in interior design from U of I and went to Austin and ended up working for a, a really great designer in residential. And I would drive up in my little um, Mazda 323 hatchback, bright blue, with a dent in the back in <laughs> like millionaire's houses. And I remember this one time this lady said, I like the color of your car because probably that was the only thing that she could think to say nice about it but anyway um so i like to do things on a budget i've always um sort of taken hand-me-downs from family members or things that i've picked up on the side of the road or garage sales or nature um and i ran across a book at um, a camp i worked at one summer that was all about incorporating nature and Basically, God is the original designer, and so um, think of the way He designs nature and work it into your home, because then you'll know, you know it will be harmonious and comfortable. So um, I wish I could find that book. I think it's probably out of print. But um, uh, one thing about designing your own home is that there are no hard and fast rules, and you just need to decide what you like and what makes you feel comfortable, what works for your family and your guests, and um, take those things into consideration. You can always change them if you don't spend a lot of money on things. You know, you can keep it flexible, and if something doesn't work, it's not like you're breaking the bank to throw it away and start, you know, with a new idea. So, um, a few ideas that Leslie and I brainstormed was, um, I've heard people struggle a lot with paint colors and where to start with a room, and one thing that the designer that I worked for in Austin and residential um, said was choose a painting that you like, you really like all the colors, and work from that and draw in. Um, I remember we had a really hard time finding a, a fabric for an ottoman in a room and all the colors were set and I was still trying to do matchy-smatchy for this fabric on the ottoman and he pulled in a totally different color and it looked fantastic. So don't be afraid to pull in a lot of colors and solids that are different um, just because they don't all make this perfect color scheme. It's actually a little bit more pleasant if it's more varied. Um, and also nature, Leslie made some notes about the tones of colors and again there are no hard and fast rules but if you want a warm feeling there are colors on both sides of the color wheel that are warm. Like a sage green is, green is warmer than a mint green or you know, lavender is really cool, but you might find a really warm, dark eggplant aubergine color. So, um, so what we have here is the tablecloth is kind of sagey green, mm -hmm. and Ashley's shirt is a little bit minty. Right. 
And then, you know, the reds are typically thought of as warm. This is a really warm red in this room, but she's got a more of a um, oxblood type. Well, probably not. It's a little bit more on the burgundy side, so it's a cooler mm -hmm. red. So in the living room. Yeah. you guys probably know that, but um, then also, um, let's see, obviously paint is the cheapest thing, but it's also the thing that you can find the most variety of colors in. So you really want to, if you really want to do it right, you want to start with something that's very unique. I mean, you want to start with the most unique item in the room. So if it's the rug, then, I mean, there are a lot of rugs offered, but you're set on those colors. You can't change them. So start with a rug, start with the fabric that you've chosen for your draperies or something that has a limited number of designs and colors. And then you can work with paint later. Um, and paint's cheap, you can always redo it inexpensively. And you can find the exact color you want. Yeah, and you can even get a custom match, which I'm sure you all know that, but. Um, I already said that. Um, and then also along the lines of the matching of colors, don't be afraid to layer colors on the same side of the color wheel together, like you can do if you do it carefully. You can do cool green, warm green together, dark green, light green, or any other shade. You can layer it because that's what God did in nature and it works, it's beautiful. You look at a forest and you see 15 shades of green and it's really nice and it creates some depth to the room. So you always wanna to try to think about that um, adding depth, adding texture, um, patterns that are that work together. Um, and then Leslie pointed out, if you stay with a more classic design, it lasts longer and you don't have to re-select, re-spend the money on those expensive items. And I think that's probably more true of the larger items, obviously, the upholstery pieces. You want to choose something that's classic that you're going to keep for a long time. Um, oh, this is good. Think of your husband's taste. And I, um, I think it's fun to think of Tim as my client. And really, you want a space that a man is going to feel comfortable in. You don't want it to be so feminine that your guests come over and the men are feeling like they have to cross their legs or something. <laughs> um, but it's, I think masculine design is more interesting anyway. I mean, it's a strong, bold look. And I mean, there's a variety within that um, style too, but. I like that idea that it's strong. Yeah, it's strong. It's, yeah, it's not, we'll get to more of that later, but um, there are great websites now to look at, to decide what, decide what overall atmosphere you want in your room, you know, what kind of design you like. There's one called House. I'm sure you've probably seen it, H-O-U-Z-Z, -Z, and there are probably more. Do you have others yeah, that you so love? awesome. I like House. I love them. It's and Pinterest. So I know yeah, Pinterest you is see great. a lot more like the trendier stuff on yeah. Pinterest, but. But it's a lot of do-it-yourself yeah. stuff mm -hmm. on Pinterest, and then if you haven't spent much money, you can try it. And, mm -hmm. um, one thing I was going to say about when I started with no hard and fast rules is if you have a lot of things in your house that aren't going to use, turn them into a decorative item. Like my sister and I roomed with a girl and we really shouldn't have been sharing. I think it was a small two bedroom, but it was really tight. And she had a lot of chairs and we had a lot of chairs. And I thought, well, the shakers used to hang their chairs on the wall. 
And so we had a couple, we had a vaulted ceiling and we hung chairs on the wall and everybody loved it. They just thought it was such a fun, unique idea. And you know, we just had extra. So don't be afraid to do something kind of zany and it's, I think it's successful, but, um, when determining your furniture arrangement, I think this is really important, especially when you're buying furniture, really think, lay it out, make sure it fits. Think about the seating arrangement and you ideally for conversation want people facing each other. So, um, six feet is the ideal distance from person to person, face to face for conversation. If you want it to feel like a really warm, intimate conversation. So shoot for that. I mean, you can't always do it because your house doesn't allow for that arrangement, but, and generally speaking, people feel more comfortable sitting in chairs and on sofas. So they like their own space. Um, for window treatments, this is not a hard and fast rule also, because as you look around here, you see such beautiful wood molding, you would not want to cover that up. So this is an instance where you wouldn't have the drapery off of the glass. But in most situations, you want your drapery to make your windows as big as possible, looking visually, I mean, just the illusion. So you wanna take your drapes all the way to the ceiling and you wanna get all, when, when they're open, you want them to be able to be completely off of the glass so that all of you, all the lights coming in. And um, so don't be afraid to make your draperies really tall and long. Uh, mirrors are great. I know you guys know that they make a space feel larger, but think about what you're reflecting. And if you can see a window out of the reflection of the mirror, it makes it feel even bigger. Um, this is something Connie Lucas said to me a long time ago. Don't, I skipped something, but I'll come back. Don't um, put little, don't spread your things thin. So don't have every wall covered with something. Choose your wall that you want to do a grouping of several things and you'll have, your eye will get a rest on the walls that don't have anything on them, but you'll have more of an, a visual impact on the wall where you do have things. So it's, it's actually good to have some blank walls and to group for a visual impact. It's, it's more successful and it, it sort of lets your mind rest. It's not such a busy room if you do it that way. It's more relaxing. Um, and then again with nature, like bringing nature in, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we found a, well, there was a huge wasp nest on our back soffit outside right by our back door. And it was so cool watching it get built. And again, God being the creator, I mean, it's, it was so intricate and cool to see those wasps working on every day. So middle of the summer, they vacated the wasp nest and we were a little nervous, but we took it down and... <laughs> put it in the <laughs> garage for a while because we could still see like bees coming out like little larvae that had formed. But anyway, um, we took it out and made sure all the bees were dead and it's sitting on our credenza now. And it's just such an interesting piece of art in a way. I'm trying to figure out how to keep it because it's just built of paper. But, you know, I mean, tables made out, you see this stuff on Pinterest too, so you know this, but it's easy to do that inexpensively and make a table out of a tree trunk or um, another thing on the DIY is if there's something neat about your family that you want to commemorate um, it's really easy to make things objects that you are sentimental but they're not really useful anymore you can make turn them into lamps really easily 
Um, like on this Christmas story, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the man can lag it. Anyway, tons of DIY ideas that you guys probably already know. But um, hanging pictures, it's really great if you can take the time to figure out where you want the picture. And I can tell you the detailed step-by-step -step process. But if you hang it with three, I mean, sorry, with two hooks, there are the certain hooks that you have the nail that goes into the hook and you really secure it well. You make sure they're level and they're three inches apart. You can hang pictures and they will never be off um, in terms of level. You'll never have to rearrange, you'll never have to straighten them because they'll stay straight. So I can show you that later. I'm sitting here with a completely different perspective on the room and seeing a crooked picture and finger smudges on my door there. You know, when you don't sit in certain spots, the light doesn't catch things oh, right. So true. Yeah, uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, and obviously with clutter, again, no hard and fast rule because I think some places that have a ton of clutter are charming, but it is easier to clean and just easier to take in visually if you and psychologically if you're not just full of clutter and you have some strong large pieces that kind of um, demand your attention I guess um, style wise I think a lot of people feel like if they're doing a craftsman style in their house everything has to be craftsman but I think it's more interesting if you um, combine styles and think of it as if you are part of a elite old family and you have things that are handed down over the years and so you sort of collect it over time. I mean that's sort of ideal mm -hmm. in terms of the interest of a room. You want old, new, and I mean you can do it in the wrong way but I think it's better to try to kind of get a varied look rather than everything matching. Um, and then your home should feel, feel like your family. It doesn't have to be a perfect, you know, magazine shot. It should feel lived in. It should make people feel comfortable and want to be there with you and enjoy the way your family lives. And the perfect example, I think, for this for me was um, my friend had a cousin named Liz who was a little bit crazy. But their house sort of felt like a farmhouse and they had pictures of their family up, you know, tons of clutter, pictures of their family going up the staircase, but she also had random articles from newspapers mixed in and, you know, over the years and just things that were fun and it didn't feel messy and like it wasn't dirty, but it didn't feel perfectly clean and tidy and everything had to be in a certain spot. Anyway, it just felt lived in and it was so fun to be there and she didn't follow any rules and it was just really lively and so. Do you remember my um, basic a motto for how your home should look? Lived in. Like someone works there. Like someone works there. Yeah. So it, as long yeah. as it looks like somebody works there and it's not just falling apart, it's really up to you as to how you keep it, what level of cleanliness. Like she said, not it wasn't perfectly clean, but it wasn't dirty. It was dirty. pretty tidy. I mean, uh -huh. like things were picked up, but uh -huh. yeah. Uh, great, Stephanie. I, do you guys have any questions? Yeah. I just have a quick one because I can ask you questions. Sure. Well, I'll do that when you come over. But okay. do you feel like it's better to have something on the wall that you don't like versus having a lot of empty space with things 
waiting for what you do like. I have some empty spaces on walls and I just feel like it's when you get around to it really, but um, if you really don't like something and every time you look at it, you're thinking, I've got to replace that, I think it's better to have a blank wall because that's what we did. And I mean, it's probably just a personal But no, because there's been a lot of things given to us and that's how I feel about them. But then I think, well, I have all these empty walls. Is it better to have something up or is it better to like put it in? Well, you did know. people give you things with nice frames? I thought about replacing. You could just stuff take out what's in the frame and even put up a piece of kids' art that you like, or That's you know, a, a photograph from a trip you took. Have it blown up, or I don't know. I mean, if you really want to find a fine piece of art and it's going to take a big chunk of time at some point down the road, then you might think about just doing yeah something that's idea. inexpensive in the meantime. Using the frame, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the last part is, is a little after three, and we, so we kind of got to move through this really fast. Um, I did, it's all written out very paragraphically, so whatever I don't actually cover, um, you can read. And a lot of this comes right from my cookbook, so most of you even have my cookbook, I, think, I believe. But... Um, in cooking, the good wife prepares an enjoyable meal for her family and guests. Ooh, sorry. And serves with pleasure and confidence. That's really a key is that you got to enjoy what you're doing and you got to feel confident about it. So if you're not confident now <clears throat> as a hostess, you need to practice on your family. Just think of that you are serving them and get, you know, build up your confidence. And then at some point you take a step and you invite someone over, but um, it's the idea of not biting off more than you can chew. Just to start slowly and um, have one or two people over and fix a simple meal um, and see if you can get confident about what you're doing. And then again, they, they will be blessed if you are giving to them and if you're doing it out of enjoyment, out of desire to have people there. Um, it's really more of a social phenomenon than, than you um, showing off some talent you have about cooking or, or whatever. And have a good time, plan well, and it will go more smoothly. So then we have the two kinds of hospitality, the planned and the spontaneous. Um, planned hospitality is a, a more... Um, formal type of event. It doesn't have to be formal in terms of how you dress, but it means that you're thinking ahead about what you're going to fix and everything's, you know, well thought out and who you're going to invite and what time it's going to be. Spontaneous is the kind of thing where, you know, somebody drops by and you're just hanging out talking and then you start to get hungry and, you know, dinner time's approaching and maybe you don't even know what you're fixing for dinner. Um, but you, you're just ready to keep these people there because you're having a good time. Just say, hey, you, you want to join us for dinner? I don't know what we're doing, but we can figure it out. And you work together on a plan. And sometimes it includes sending the men out to go buy something. And I list in here things like, go pick up steaks, grill some steaks, um, fry some potatoes, and make a salad. It's really easy to throw a dinner together. I've done nachos with people. Nachos are cheap, you know, you tortilla chips and cheese and stick them in the oven, put some salsa on, make a little guacamole. Um, 
I've done grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup. Um, just all kinds of stuff that you can quickly put together and it doesn't even mean that you're, it's all your expense. If you're with a, a couple of families getting together, they, both families can contribute to the purchasing of whatever it is you're, you're putting together. But it's great to enjoy the time together. Um, it doesn't have to, and then again, back on the uh, cleaning, if you've kept your house largely clean, then it's easy enough to, to work in the spontaneous hospitality. And if you've got something there, just move it out of the way or make a quick little cleanup or something. Um, not going to go through the rest of this because you can read it, but um, I think there's two things I want to talk about on page 24. Washing dishes as you go. Just keep a sink full of soapy water there. And any time you've got a minute, you look around, what don't I need anymore? Get it washed in the drainer. Then you're not faced with a huge mess at the end. The other thing is wipe your counters a lot. Every time you finish a little job of cutting something up or whatever, you're done making gravy and you've got the tools all from your gravy making sitting there on the counter. Get them out of the way to the sink and wipe the counter. When you pull something out of the oven, you want a clean counter to set that on. If you set your hot dish from the oven on a filthy counter, it's going to burn crap onto the bottom of I your pan. I mean, it's just amazing. I've watched so many people do that that I feel I have to tell you this. Um, but I, I look at how intelligent you all are, and I think, why wouldn't they know this? Well, <laughs> it's amazing to me. But yeah, wipe your counters. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm going to go back to one more thing. Take concern for your own appearance. If you are inviting people over, put on something nice. Do your hair, something, because they got to look at you, too. And <laughs> it's, it's part of your gift to them is that you look nice. Um, there you go. That's the end of this talk. What'd you say? Just reminding you about Costco. Costco, thank you. The thing about Costco that I forgot to mention uh, a month ago is that when you once you've really learned prices in your local stores and what they offer and what kind of sales they have at times. Then, when you go to Costco, you'll be able to determine whether what they're selling is a good deal. Because not everything at Costco is the best deal. Sometimes it might be higher quality, and so you pay a little more. But if you're happy with the quality that you get at your store for the item, don't pay more. Don't buy it at Costco. Um, if you don't need a five-pound um, canister of red vine licorice, then don't go to Costco and buy that. <laughs> it's, it's the kind of thing where if you go to Costco, you can end up buying a lot of stuff that you really don't need because it looks so appealing. Wow, look at all the Snickers bars in that package. Let's get that. Um, it can really pull you into spending more money that you don't need to spend. But there are a lot of things. And one of the, I, I would say a prime example for me was grated cheese. For years and years and years, I never bought grated cheese. I always bought just the blocks. And if 
we needed grated cheese, I would grate it. And I even used my food processor to the point where I, it broke because I grated so much cheese in it. Um, but I was always grating cheese. And then somebody suggested, you know, you got to try Costco. So we tried it. And I saw they, they had bags of grated cheese that per pound was the same as the blocks I was buying at my local grocery store per pound. And I said, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah, this is so nice to not have to grate the cheese. Yes. Can you freeze cheese? Is that something that's... Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And I've I mostly freeze my mozzarella, grated the pre-grated mozzarella, because it goes bad after you open it really fast, like less than two weeks, and it'll get this really nasty, moldy smell. Even before you see mold on it, you can smell the mold on it. Um, so if I open the mozzarella, I'll use what I need, and then it goes right into a Ziploc bag and into the freezer. Okay. Yeah. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you get from Costco? Oh, I get lots of stuff from Costco. I buy their chicken. Um, Is it better price than... Oh. Well, it may not always be, but it's really good quality. They're nice, large chicken breasts, and they're very trimmed up. So you don't have a lot of waste. Um, the ones you buy around here in the store will have a lot of fatty stuff on them that you have mm -hmm. to trim off and throw away. So you are losing some of your weight yeah. in doing that. Um, I like the convenience of the individually frozen breasts. Um, I don't. I still buy chicken around here sometimes. Um, sort of balance it out, but yeah, I love their chicken. Uh, we buy coffee there, the whole bean. Um, Tomato Peanut sauce. butter, what's that? Tomato sauce, tomato paste. Tomato sauce and paste. And sometimes I buy those big cans of tomato sauce and whole tomatoes mm -hmm. um, because even if I don't use all of it in one meal, it's easy enough to freeze. Um, on the whole tomatoes, if I'm doing Mexican food where I'm making salsa and machaca and um, rice where I'm using tomatoes and all of those things, I can almost go through a whole can and then the rest of them just go in the fridge and probably within a week I can use the rest of them. So sometimes it just depends on your own cooking needs and style. You, you gotta look again, you gotta learn the prices around here and what you like and then compare it with Costco's. I'm gonna turn this off.